and welcome to episode 39, the penultimate episode of the current iteration of the Dead Idea of a Hollow podcast. It's a music show. It's a variety show. It's a sketchlet show. It's a music show. It's a variety show. It's a sketchlet show. You know what I fucking hate? I fucking hate how society is getting stupider and there's proof of it. When you go to the convenience store and you're buying your Yerba Mate powerful rainforest experience drink, you have to use your debit card because it's the 20th century, so you don't carry cash. You're not a fucking savage. And uh, it says, please enter your secret code. It feels like we're playing like spies, like we're little kids. What's wrong with PIN or the redundant and stupid PIN number? Secret code. You know what I fucking hate? I fucking hate the way that some religious people, and I've already talked about this, but at work outside on our little pamphlet table, I found two of those, like, tricking you into religion pamphlets. Um, you know, just those, one of those things where it's like, you know, it's it's a, it starts out as one kind of flyer and then turns out to be about God. You can't trick people into religion. Like, what a weird idea. Like, can you imagine, like, reading a pamphlet because you think you're going to get money or, you know, and then when you when you finish reading it, it, it says it's about God and then you believe in it? Like, does that ever work? Hello, I'm Gary Butterfield. And, and as I said, this is the uh, the last real traditional episode of the Dead Idea of a Hala podcast for a while. I think what I'm going to do after the big year-end 40th episode wrap-up is just kind of produce the episodes when they occur to me, like when I have something to say. They're going to trickle out, kind of like they're trickling out now, one a month. If I come up with a way to retool it, I will. Uh, I'm about to go through a tumultuous period of my life uh, related to the shadowy, terrible things I've been hinting at, so don't expect anything probably for the first couple months of the year. But I'll get back on it after that. And uh, So I want to talk to you today, dear listener, a little bit about cats. Um, I am an internet cat person. I like pictures of cats, like videos of cats. I think cats are in no way overrated. I think they're awesome and adorable. I, you know, I'm not ashamed of this. There are a lot of people who are terrible who are into cats. I am awesome and I'm and into them for, for a multitude of reasons. They are amazing. Um, I got in the studio with me right now. I got Mr. Rowers. Uh, he has been on the show before. You may remember Rowers, get out of here. Rowers, get out of here. If you remember that, then you remember him. He's going to, here's, he's, Rowers, what do you, what do you have to say to the audience? Rowers. So that's Rowers. That is just one of the reasons why he is a fucking awesome cat. Is that anytime you talk to him or if you sneeze, he uh, makes these awesome little noises and they're incredible. Um, He's super affectionate. We have three cats, and we have raised them to be super dog-like in their affection. They are all three of them like little lap cuddlers. Uh, not a night has gone by in the last couple of years that uh, Roars has not cuddled up next to me in bed when I'm going to sleep, and just you know, super purred. He purrs louder than a bomb, and it is awesome. So before I talk more specifically about uh, my specific three cats, just some generalities. Um, and you know, there's a debate, like there's a cat versus dog debate. And I don't feel like there's very much room, you know, I've recently become sympathetic to dogs. You know, I kind of like, I can, I get it. 
I get it. You know, they're they're dogs. They're they're friendly. Some of them are very cute, like dachshunds. I recently met a corgi that I think is pretty special. But you know, there's just these disadvantages to dogs. You know, and advantages to cats. Like uh, my main problem with dogs is that I want a pet that is not happy all the time. Like I want a pet that can be sad. You know, I if and if I get a dog, there are breeds of dogs that do this. If I get a dog, I'm gonna get one that does that. I want to be able to come home from work, plop down on the couch, and go, <sighs> and have a an animal right next to me that's just, <sighs> and they're the, that's why I get is one of those sad dogs, and <clears throat> you know those dogs. Dogs have worse fur than cats do, unless they're puppies. Like they, you know, a lot of times they have that wiry like Brillo pad fur. It's not as fun texturally. You know, with cats, there's less variance in their cuteness. Like, cats are all pretty cute, I find, except for those weird hypoallergenic Dr. Evil cats. But almost all cats are just super cute. Um, they feel really good. I like that they're kind of standoffish. Like, I don't want something that's going to demand my attention all the time. Like, you get a dog, you come home from work, or you get up in the morning, and it's just like, blah, 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 and you have to take it out. You know, it's just like, you know, it's not there on your terms, which I don't like. Um, they're clean animals. They clean themselves. You don't have to give them a bath if you don't want to. And if you do, you get the bonus of the fact that they're hilarious. Like they look like little stick figure rats and they walk and do this, like shake off one of their feet with every step dances. Um, the fact that you don't have to walk them is a huge advantage. I mean, the thing with cats is like you have to have boxes of shit in your house. That's true, but it's not too bad. And if you're lazy like me, you'd rather, you know, dump a litter box once a week than walk a dog like six times a day. And one of the grossest things about walking a dog is people bring these plastic bags with them and they reach down and just handle the animal's foundation and then flip the bag inside out. I understand you have this like little Safeway bag protecting you, but texturally, isn't that terrible? I remember one time when I first moved out of uh, my parents' house, my first apartment. This is a gross story. I'll warn you now. I took a shit, clogged the toilet. And I was so embarrassed because I had all these roommates and I could not get it to pl unplunge like as hard as I, I tried. And so eventually I did this, the same thing that people do with their dogs. Like I took a plastic, like a garbage bag, protected my arm and then just tried to like, you know, this is just, this is, <laughs> this is disgusting. If you had any respect for me, you've just lost it. I reached down and tried to, to remedy the problem. It didn't work and it was disgusting. So gross, fucking gross. Biggest advantage, though, that cats have is that as soon as you neuter a cat, or if you get a girl cat, they turn into stuffed animals. Like, I hate animal genitals. Like, you're, you're hanging out, you know, you're at the zoo, there's a horse there, it's all cute. And then it's just a fucking, like, xenomorph, Lovecraftian tentacle just sluices out. I get this huge boner and it's just it's wrong like I don't want to have that kind of relationship with animals like I understand it's natural I'm not sex negative it's just to me like I'm just here to appreciate you for being cute I don't need to know that you're aroused it happens to dogs all the time like how many times does a dog run up to you jumped on its back and like you think it just wants a belly rub so you think it's all cute and you're gonna you know rub its belly and it's gonna be fun and then they just that their erection comes out you know, and they just, they look so gross. It's not, they don't have the dignity to be like a regular penis. You know, just a regular skin colored penis. They're these little sliding, like, alien 
proboscises. Fucking repulsive. Cats? I have three cats. I know one of them is a girl and two of them are male. Can't tell the difference between them, though. And if you look at their backs, like, you, you have to see their asshole. Which is, you know, that's a disadvantage. Cats are always putting their asshole in your face. Like, they love the asshole. But they don't have genitals. Like, you just pet them and it's just a patch. Just a, they might as well just be stuffed animals. There's a bare patch there. Who wants, you know, and then if, you, if you're into genitals on animals, like, first of all, if you're a furry or, like, a zoophiliac, you know, fuck you. But even if you're a guy who's like, I like my dog having a big set of balls. It's pretty cool. You know, you probably want your truck to have balls, too. And I hate you. You're disgusting. Don't. I want less balls in the world. Like, I understand their their utility. I like that they carry sperm. And I like that that makes women pregnant. That makes babies. But I don't want to see them. I don't want them hanging around. I hate them. Fucking disgusting. You know, just they look like little, like, just krangs. You know, just hanging krangs. And I don't need a, to see a dog's hanging krangs. I don't need to see a dog's disgusting xenomorph proboscis popping out. Huge difference, and they will always make cats superior to dogs. That lack of a boner. And I'm so glad that I don't see cat boners, because if you read up on cat sex, it is a nightmarish act where they have these spines all over their penis. And they, uh, I, I always joked with like, ex-girlfriends about having sex kitty style. Which would just mean me like stabbing them with some kind of spiny penis and screaming, and they're just screaming <laughs> until it's done, because it's it's a it's a torture act. It's like from Seven, like that strap on from Seven is what cats are packing all the time, and it's disgusting. So that's that's the big advantage. There's some downsides uh, to having cats. Um, you know they they vomit everywhere. Cats just puke all the time. I don't know what it is. It's gross. It's like me when I was like eight. And uh, that's really disgusting. I've seen so much cat puke in my life. I've seen enough cat puke to fill a jacuzzi. Like a tragic, tragic jacuzzi. Because you have to have these boxes of shit in your house, sometimes it does smell really bad. You know, you can clean it right away if you're not lazy. But it it does sometimes get really rough. Um, I've had my cat before like swallow a piece of string. And then when he passed it, it was like one of the worst smells that I've ever experienced gross. The biggest problem I've had with my cats is they've gotten sick. Uh, Both my male cats have developed urinary crystals before, and we had to have them on this prescription food. It's really expensive. And it led to one of, like, the most harrowing nights of my life. Like, we, one of our cats, uh, not Roars, who's my cat, who you heard earlier, but Poet, who's the other male cat, he, uh, you know, he was acting a little funny, but nothing too crazy. And then one day he started acting really funny, and uh, just really like just crying and was moving. And I was like, oh, something's wrong. But by the time we found out, it was like really late on a Sunday and we couldn't bring him into the vet. And uh, he just kind of sat in the middle of the floor and cried. And I felt like he was going to die. Like I just, I was like, oh, something's going to happen. He's going to die. There aren't, you know, vets available to us. We need to get him there first thing in the morning. And it's just, there was this weird, like I'm not a, a spiritual person, but I do, I really love, love my cats. And, uh, you know, just, it was really heart-wrenching. Like, I was just bawling, you know, like, hanging out on the floor with him. You know, because I thought he was saying goodbye. Like, I really felt like, you know, that was it. And and part of the reason why that's so, strikes such a nerve with me is because they, you know, we're responsible for them. Like, we've domesticated them. We've taken them out of the wild. You know, a lot of times we declaw them. Like, I don't do that because I think it's cruel, but people do that. So it's up to us whether they live or die. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge responsibility. 
and they trust you so implicitly like animals just like trust you once we domesticated them like we we breed them to trust us against their their better instincts and when we you know something happens to not even necessarily betray that trust like it's not always people's fault when their animals die but the animal doesn't understand what's happening to them they don't understand what you know you're doing that is just that is like weird emotional kryptonite for me like nothing makes me sadder than that than thinking about an animal you know hurting or being sick and not understanding what's happening to it and it having to watch me and and you know I'm responsible for it and it not knowing that I can't do anything about it it's fucking sad so but luckily we made it just in time it was really expensive I got to play my least favorite game ever with myself which is what's the biggest vet bill I'm willing to pay it's a terrible game um but I did I did you know pay it it was expensive but uh he made it my other cat you know, same thing happened, but we were all sensitive to symptoms. And, uh, you know, my cat's a little fatty. He needs to lose weight. He needs arthritis. Um, so, you know, just a rundown. We got Roars. Uh, he's fat. He's mine. He's amazing. He is the best cat that's ever been. Uh, he's a mile ahead of our other two cats. And I'll listen. I'll let the other cats listen to this podcast. Um, I don't care. They should know that they're worse than my cat. Uh, Rory is amazing. His full name is Rorschach, after the ink blots, because he's a little tuxedo cat. But we call him Rorschach, you know, or Rory, and then ultimately Roars, mostly. My wife took in a stray cat named Maggie. Maggie has a little nub tail. She's very cute, but she's a sociopath. She likes to knock things off and wake us up in the morning. It's terrible. Uh, she has no feelings. She's a robot. And uh, I do love her, but she's obnoxious. Poet, you know, it's really interesting because Poet used to just be very violent and then uh, and very mean. And then after this thing happened to him, this near-death experience, he became really needy and gentle. And, like, I have this conflict where I know in my mind, like, oh, his brain is the size of a peanut. He can't actually, you know, that's not what happened. He doesn't understand what happened to him. He's not grateful. But it's really, you know, that's really difficult for me. You know, it feels like that. And in the face of animals, like specifically cats is when my kind of rationalism will break down. In pretty much all ways, I turn into a, a blubbering idiot around the cats. I uh, talk in baby talk. I uh, I sing to them all the time. I like to take popular songs and change the words to be about the cats. So I like to do things like, um, Never-ending Rory La-di-da-da-di-da-da-di-da He's the never-ending You know, I, I like to do that, or uh, Maggie will walk in the room and I'll go like, Oh, oh it's Maggie. We look at someone. Or something like, uh, you know, this Maggie moment. So something in a cat, she name is Maggie. She's a Maggie cat. The cat, they, you know, the cats don't care. Um, they, you know, they don't. They just look at us like we're idiots because they turn me into an idiot. They make me stupid. Um, poet, it is hard to to sing about poet. There aren't very many. You know, Maggie's easy because magic. So you can do like every little thing she does is Maggie or this Maggie moment, any of those things. Maggie Cadabra. Um, 
But poet, all I can do is go po po poer wheels, um, which is not as good. Rory, if you want to take us out, tell everybody that we got a song coming up and then our little segment. Thanks for coming to the second part of the show. Um, people who listen to the show know that um, you know, music is a big part of what I am and what I do, a big part of my history. And, and ever since I moved to Portland, you know, I've been toying with this idea of getting back into it. But I don't really know how. I don't have this kind of friend base to do it. So I was really excited. Um, I was down at Ground Control, uh, which I talked about before. It's this like bar arcade thing. And I saw this flyer for his local musician and like he just you know I liked the, the cut of his jib and the flyer was funny and everything so I, I contacted him and just kind of one thing led to another we talked about it and uh, I got him to, to come on the show um, for me so if you want to go ahead and, and introduce yourself we're live in the studio here um sure yeah uh, my name's uh, Drusus you can call me Drew uh, yeah so me and my buddy DJ Super Saiyan Sephiroth uh, we put together this uh, band we call Panics Cool, yeah, and I, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard you guys yet, but I, I thought it would be cool, kind of like a bit of cross promotion, get you guys to come on the show, um, you know, play, play, play your songs, and just kind of talk to you and do like a little bit of an interview, you know, and see, see where it goes. So um, we'll go ahead and play the song now, and then everybody can check it out. You're fine with that? Just to go yeah, ahead on the podcast, okay? So yeah, so um, here, here this, this is uh, what is the the name of this one? Uh, the song is called Every Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Okay, um, and this is Panics with Every Valentine's Day. Shudder and want to spew 
to rip out your heart and the taste of its flavor will be doing you and the whole world a favor So often I no longer cared My need for you diminished to none You let me down so many times I noticed and began to count It was then that I discovered You lied in a very shows clearly the benefits of our death. I can smile more than yearly. Everyone has good breath. Oh. Temptation was great, I must admit, the thought of hurting just you. It's a pain I somehow liked, of course, I knew you did too. I never realized how wonderful life was until the day you were gone. When you died, my nightmares ended, and I could finally see the Beauty of Dawn Day of grave was filled, the whole world took a sigh Your sound's a golden field, everyone wanted you to die I visit your grave every Valentine's Day to celebrate the day of your murder plea Myself and bleed on your tombstone, so you'll always remember that it was me. To rip out your heart and a taste of its flavor will be doing you and the whole world a favor. Okay, um, yeah, that was Every Valentine's Day by Panics. Uh, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hope you liked it. Yeah, um, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit how you guys got started? Um, sure, yeah. Uh, me and SSJ, we went to middle school together, and um, we didn't start seriously putting together any music until earlier this year. Um, SSJ got a, a MacBook. Did before that, did you do unserious music? Like, this is the serious music? Yeah, kind of. Okay. He's just goofing around, just goofs. Okay. But he, he got, a, he got a, a MacBook recently and started uh, putting together some beats in GarageBand and knew I was a poet, asked me to... Put some lyrics over top of them. Right, right. How did so you've done poetry before? Yeah, I I, uh, I used to, to keep a, a live journal with uh, um, you know various poems that I put together. And... Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, cool. And then so have you guys, I mean, have you guys been playing out yet, or played out much, or doing a lot? I know I saw that flyer, but now that I think about it, it didn't have like a day or a date or anything. It just kind of was the the logo. And are you guys kind of marketing at this point? Yeah, we're trying to. Be our own street team, I guess, for for a little bit. I mean, we've got a, a couple uh, couple small shows we've done. We we did a couple shows. Is uh, there anybody else on the street team? No, it's, it's pretty oh. much me and SSJ. Okay. Uh, we you know it's it, it, we just started this year, so we we're still put, trying to get the the fan base together. But we did manage to get a couple uh, a couple shows with a, a local nerdcore rap 
rapper named uh, MC is short for Minecraft. Okay. Um, and um, we, we got some sets at a couple um, local raves and, and live shows with Ironic Mustache and DJ Baby Fur. And I've heard of, of um, other bands that aren't those ones. Um, so some rave shows. I guess that makes makes kind of sense. So what what are you uh, what are you doing? Like what are you, what are you going for 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 this? I mean it's great, but what 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 is the goal? What is this? It's a aren't we you know we just wanted to do something that was a kind of adapting sort of video game style musics and you know the video Those game lyrics. culture musings and it's it. You know that 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 song is. Um, I'm sure you can tell it's very very highly inspired by when Earth died. Um, you know, in Final Fantasy VII. Um, so I mean, that's I think that's the sort of the, the style we're going going for. I mean, uh, SSJ. I'm not going to speak totally for him, but I know that he considers FF4 to be the best in the series, uh, and he's really inspired by all of like the SNES era RPGs. Um, I, I myself, I mean, a lot of my, my stuff is just really uh, influenced by Naruto and One Piece. You know, it's it's just putting all that together, trying to, to musically express all that. Yeah, it's kind of fusing it all together, like the way you, you put everything together before you take it out. Yeah, you exactly. Like you, exactly. You just move it somewhere else. I, th I think you got it right out, right out the money. Yeah. So, so where um, you said that uh, DJ Super Saiyan, Sephiroth, Super Saiyan Sephiroth, yeah, Sephiroth. I call him SSJ for short. SSJ. He's. You said he couldn't make it today. He's at work. He. Yeah. He's. Uh, he's currently uh, down at uh, at Pizza Hut. He's a. He's a delivery guy. Um, but you know, the music thing. Hopefully, we'll get him out of that as soon as possible. Yeah. Well. Well. Good. Good luck to DJ SSJ getting out of that pizza. Hotel. Yeah. So you guys have been doing as a calendar big, year. Big up SSJ. Hope you. Hope you're having fun at work. Yeah, I, I hope that you're having fun with the pizza traps yeah. and stuff. So a calendar year, you guys have been doing this for twelve months. Uh, not quite. Earlier this year is when he got his his uh, his MacBook and put that together. We the this is this single we put together just a, a couple months ago. Um, and we're trying to get a whole album together pretty soon. Okay, so let me let me paint the picture. So you're you're sitting there playing Final Fantasy VII, not not like anybody ordinarily your age, but like somebody you know much younger than you. In in 1997, you get done, and and you go to, to a notebook, like probably like a little uh, you know moleskin, and just uh, sit down in some coffee shop and you write that. That's that's pretty accurate, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, just just playing the game. He and I actually we, we played that just recently, a couple a uh, couple months ago. We played it together. You know, trading off the controller. Um, and yeah, that's just the that's what you're, came about. You're tra trading off the controller. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's a one player game, so we couldn't yeah. exactly play it together. But you know, we were both really involved in the story at the same time, so just both of us. Yeah. How many times have you played through Final Fantasy VII? Oh, I, it's. Absolutely uncountable. At least, I would say within even just the past five years, I've played it at least seven times. Yeah. It's it's art. Absolutely, that game is is the peak of artistic expression. If you were to compare Final Fantasy VII to a famous work of art, like a painting, which one would you specifically, Drew Draco, do, say? 
Uh, I mean, I want to say in terms of just like how renowned and known um, Mona Lisa is pretty comparable, but I mean, the the problem with Mona Lisa is it's like a it's almost too stale for Final Fantasy. I think. I mean, the love story is is absolutely on par with Gone with the Wind. Um, it beats it out hands down. All right. So when, after you sit down, like I'm, you, you come home, you're you're writing this song, you write that, like you write those words. How do you feel about yourself? Like, what do you? How do you get up the next day and just like go out like a normal person, uh, go eat breakfast, go to work, and everything? I mean, how do you do that after after that kind of emotional? Like, I want to say catharsis, but that's too strong of a word. And then I also want to say like emotional shit. And that's you know I feel like that's maybe putting out the wrong. You're not trying to be insulting or anything, but like, but after you after you put that out, that was inside you, and now it's outside of you. Yeah. What do you do then? How do you feel? It's, I mean, it's it's obviously a big, uh, you know, draining process to get all that emotion on onto on a piece of paper and you know out vocally, but. Um, but I mean, I can't. I can't say I know how. What you mean by how do I feel after it's? How do you feel about yourself? How's your self-esteem doing in the face of something like that? Yeah, I. I wouldn't consider myself the, the most, uh, proud or. I, I do have a, a little bit of Asperger syndrome, so I, I mean. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. I haven't been medically diagnosed, but. So you so you self-diagnosed yourself with Asperger's syndrome. Yes. Um, I think, you know, I'm not... Yes, I, I, I agree. What do you think of um, Dr. Hughes' recent theories about how music like circuit bending and nerdcore and uh, glitch rap and, uh, and chip tunes are actually just expressions of being on the Asperger spectrum? I could say with my, uh, my dealings with at least the local community that way... We're all on the spectrum somewhere, I'd say. So, uh, it it very well could be could be accurate. Um, I haven't heard the, the study specifically, but um, but I could see it. He basically says that that rather than being able to express yourself like a normal human, or just you know talk to each other about feelings, or even express yourself artistically with like choruses and 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 uh, and lyrics and stuff, you know, in in a in a, in a real way, um, instead, all that emotion would know where to go. Just kind of funnels like I'm imagining uh, one of those like cake frosting funnelers or like one of those Play-Doh fun factories. It just kind of oozes out onto out into the music and art world. I mean, we everyone reacts just as strongly emotionally to to these these pieces of art like Final Fantasy VII. It's just so we, the rest of the world is hiding it. Like we we people. So let me paint a picture for you. 1997, sitting in my room playing Final Fantasy VII. Eris dies, and I go pee, grab a Coke, and come back, and, and then I go to the, the time stream or the soul stream or whatever comes next. I mean, I you know I, I managed to get through without doing this. There's an emotional disconnect that you and others who don't react strongly to this game have that myself and others who truly enjoy it don't have. 
Okay, so it's my problem that I'm not like doing this. How can you not, how can you see that scene and not just be bursting with emotion? What are some qualities that Eris presents that fill you with this emotion? First of all, Aerith, please, refer to her by her proper name. Wait, what do you mean pro proper name? The proper Nibonese name is Aerith. Aerith. Yes, thank you. And, I mean, just, if you've played the game, you know, she's the sweetest, most caring, the perfect waifu. And when she, when she dies, Cloud is absolutely just heart-wrenchingly destroyed. So I noticed, um, I mean, it's, it's clear that you feel these kind of things. I mean, I noticed, it's kind of weird, but when I invited you over to my house, you brought over this pillow, and it's got a picture of her on it. Um, it's life-size for people at home. Um, but she's not, in, in the game, she wears a very, uh, you know, kind of modest dress and everything, and she's not wearing anything like that here. Like, what, explain that. It, well, uh, the game, you know, is uh, about a decade old, older than a decade now. There's obviously uh, some hardware limitations that, uh, you know, when constructed uh, in such a way, can, you know, we can avoid those constraints. So because of the PlayStation 1 technology, we had to draw Aerith uh, with clothes on? Yes. All right. Um, so, what do you, when you and uh, DJ Super Saiyan Sephiroth are uh, are hanging out, just thinking about Aerith and Final Fantasy VII, Nero Two, and uh, One Piece, um, I mean, does he share these same kind of feelings? Are there any kind of jealousy or anything like that? Well, no, not not about it specifically. No, not at all. And uh, you know, SSJ has has his own uh, his own obsessions. But, uh, but you know, we, we do share a lot in common with our, our emotional connection to these, these characters. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some of uh, DJ SSJ's obsessions? Well, you know, like I said, he, he thinks um, FF4 is the, the best one in the series. Uh, and he's, he likes all of the, the SNES era RPGs. Mm, like, so, like Paladin's Quest and like Breath of Fire 2. Absolutely, okay. Breath of Fire, uh, especially. Like, um, he he thinks uh, uh, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana. These are you know pieces of these are relics to be to be cherished. What character in Secret of Mana does he want to have sex with? I'm I'm sorry. Did anybody say anything about having sex with any of these characters? I I no. I mean, I guess not. I I just associate nudity with with that. I I don't. You know, I I yeah, I guess not. I mean, so the song you're talking about uh, killing somebody, is it Sephiroth you're talking about killing? And you want to taste his flavor? The, the song is inspired by, by the, the, the situation in Final Fantasy VII. I wouldn't say there's any direct correlation in the characters. Okay. Huh. All right. Um, that said, fuck Sephiroth. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... <laughs> Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's no good. Um, all right, well, I, that's probably about, uh, about all I got for you. 
Um, thanks for, so do you, anything else you want to share? If you could just share one thing about, about your music or your worldview or about Final Fantasy VII or about uh, like this pillow, what would it be? Why you, you're crying? Why are you crying? Hey. Wait, why the fuck would you be crying? I didn't, God fucking damn it. <laughs> All right, enough. I'm, I'm gonna go. All right. Don't forget this pillow. Dead Idea Bahala, your source for podcasts, music, comedy, rants, Macy Gray, smoothies, hobos, behendrahenen, and much, much more. Go to the website. Dead Idea Bahala. Come on, join me.